Join us then. Preaching through the Bible, we're at the book of Titus today. Titus is an interesting guy. We don't know a lot about him. Almost everything we have to know about Titus, we get from where he was sent and what Paul told him to do. Timothy, you get some biography. Here is your mother. Here is your grandmother. Here's the way you were raised. From a child, you did this. Titus, we don't get that. He's not mentioned at all in the book of Acts, at least not by name. He shows up a few times in 2 Corinthians. He shows up once in Galatians and once in 2 Timothy. If our Bibles were written in chronological order, if you didn't know that, they're not. They're, they're grouped by type of literature rather than by when they were written. If it was written in chronological order, we would first see his name in Galatians 2, verses 1 through 3. I'm not going to put that up just now. Let me explain what we find out from that. Titus was a young man, a Gentile an early convert of Paul. Paul was now on his way to Jerusalem. He had to, didn't have to, but he felt compelled to go to Jerusalem and say, this is what I have been teaching about Christ. Is this the same message you are teaching about Christ? He wanted to make sure they were on the same track. So as he came to Jerusalem, he took some of his earliest converts with him, including a young man named Titus. While there, they went into synagogues, they went into temple areas, and that caused quite the stir because Titus was a Gentile who had not been circumcised. This would create quite the uproar, but Paul refused to have Titus circumcised, and that gives a signal about the kind of, of new movement this was. This is a movement that is based upon freedom in Christ and the salvation of Christ for all, not upon just keeping the old law with a different tune. In fact, Timothy would later, however, be circumcised. Now, why? I think it's very important that he was, because it showed us the Jews were still welcome to keep their traditions. All communities are welcome to keep their traditions, as long as you don't bind that tradition upon others. I'm very glad we don't bind circumcision upon others. It, it's, it's your decision. That would, I, it's hard enough getting people baptized. You know, um, somebody comes up out of the water and goes, well, that's done. And I'm going, well, interesting. You should bring that up, uh, Bob. Uh, one more thing we need to, that's not going on the posters at all about how to become a member here. It's all, that's entirely up to you. Tradition is fine as long as you don't bind it upon others. Well, Titus was not circumcised. And to choose Titus as a test case for circumcision in such a possibly hostile environment when he's so young tells us a lot of what we need to know about Titus. That he was already strong, tough, not afraid of a challenge, and he didn't mind going into the lion's den if he had to go there. That's Titus. Do you remember last week, Timothy was chided for his timidity a few times by Paul. Don't be timid. Paul never says that to Titus. Titus was not timid. He was never timid. God has always raised up warriors. Here's the thing. Warriors tend to judge harshly those who are not warriors. And those who are not warriors tend to judge warriors harshly. People, God creates warriors and non-warriors. He creates poets and artists, but he also creates parachutists and tank drivers. God creates different kinds of people. And so Paul has two sons, Timothy, sweet, 
he sends Timothy to the easy, nice places. Titus never sent him anywhere easy. It was the worst places possible. Hey, Titus, go get him. Why? Because Timothy would have failed there. Titus did great. But Titus would not have done well in some of the other churches because they were at peace and Titus would have been bored. There are all kinds of warriors. Not all of them jump out of planes or drive a tank. Some of them use a pencil and they do economic justice or they do legal justice or they do medical justice or they go for racial reconciliation. There are all kinds of warriors. Please understand that. God makes us all kinds and he needs all kinds. If we parse 2 Corinthians correctly, it seems that Titus was sent into Corinth, and that was a mess. Do you remember Corinth? At least three times. The first time was to arrange a contribution for the saints in Jerusalem. The other two were to debate and drive back Paul's opponents. Here's a young man, and Paul's saying, you know what they've been saying and doing in Corinth? Sick them. Titus went. Now, now, evidently, it took a bit longer than Paul was expecting, and he hadn't heard back from Titus. There's a little bit of anxiety in Paul's writings about how long it's been since he heard from Titus, but then he rejoices that Titus succeeded. Why don't we have a third or fourth Corinthians? Because Titus succeeded. He sent the right guy in. I can remember a church that hired Cammie and I, and we won't go into all that. By the way, it's not the church is represented here. Got to bring this up. We are so happy uh, that we have so many of our friends from the Rochester, Michigan church where I served for 10 years. We left a lot of our hearts there. Uh, we love that area uh, and love the people there. And they came down this week to play a wee bit of golf and uh, we got to join them for a while and that was brilliant. We also have here, when Cammie and I were first married, we spent the first six months of our, life, uh, of our married life together helping build a church building for an African-American community. When that was done, we moved 40 miles up the road to Norfolk, Virginia, a Navy town, to work there for almost two years to get enough funds to go back to Scotland, where I belong and she didn't. And anyway, uh, no, she loves it too. But to get, uh, we worked with the Navy there, and there was a very young sailor named David that became a good friend of ours, and David and his wife are here today. So it's just kind of nice to have all that here. Well, it wasn't one of those... Yes, welcome. Yes. It is so good to see 82% of them. Now, the, um, we're glad to see all of them, those of you struggling with the math. Um, we, this was not one of those churches. The church had hired me to come in and straighten out some things. But the people that hired me were the ones that needed straightening out. And after about a year, they began to realize, wait, he's not going to quit pushing us. And one of them actually challenged me in a meeting saying, we didn't ask you to come do this for us. We wanted you to do that to over them. And I said, you shouldn't have hired a gunslinger if all you wanted me to do was pat you on the head. You hired the wrong guy. Well, that church is doing well today, and we're very grateful for that. But the fact is, I feel a lot in common with Titus. Now, by the way, I didn't come here to be a gunslinger. I came here to hang up my guns. Uh, <laughs> although I know where I kept them. Uh, it's it's, um, it's kind of like people that bury the hatchet. They always have a well-marked map of where they put it. Um, of all the difficult places in the Roman world at the time, the worst might have been Crete. In fact, to this day, if you're acting horrible, people will say, you're a Cretan. It's still thousands of years later, 
that's still in our language. Crete was awful. A famous Greek poet named Epimenides once characterized the people of Crete this way. His quote, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and idle gluttons. And Paul quotes that right here. Titus chapter 1, starting verse 10. For there are many rebellious people, full of meaningless talk and deception, especially those of the circumcision group. By the way, that does not mean Jews. That means that little subsection of the Jews that was trying to make everybody else follow their rules. They must be silenced because they are disrupting whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach. And that for the sake of dishonest gain. One of Crete's own prophets has said it. Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. This saying is true. Al seems a bit non-PC there, Paul. Therefore, rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in the faith and will pay no attention to Jewish myths or to the merely human commands of those who reject the truth. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and their consciences are corrupted. They claim to know God. This is the key. This is the key to Titus. They claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. You know, that seems a bit unchristian of Paul, does it not? Unless perhaps we should define Christian a bit differently. Before you get too far in being offended, look at the way this book begins. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. The truth that leads to godliness. Don't just know the truth. It's supposed to lead you somewhere. In the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. And which now, at this appointed season, he has brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Savior. That's the key. Knowledge of truth is supposed to lead to godliness. It's supposed to change you. I can remember a golf game. I and a couple of my deacons were out. And uh, the man ran out uh, for the starter. And he said, I've got a fourth. who would, He's a single. Can I, can I send him to join your group? We said, sure, that'd be fine. We use golf as an evangelistic tool quite often uh, because, you, you know, see, here's a water hazard. What doth hinder you? Yeah, it can happen. It can happen. And we're carrying sticks. But anyway, we're, we were there, and here comes this man out who has a hat on with a fairly um, unclean saying and a shirt with a very over-the-top, not nice saying. He's an older gentleman. We looked at each other, and okay, fair enough. And we all hit our shot. He hit his shot and cursed. Hit his neck shot and cursed. Hit his neck shot and cursed. And the deacons look at me like, it's my job. <laughs> so finally, I, looked, I walked over to him and I said, listen, I have no interest in making you feel uncomfortable or upset, but you do need to know you're playing golf with a minister and two deacons. He cursed again and he said, I don't mind. I'm a Christian too. <laughs> well hidden. Um, <laughs> Nice undercover job, this. Well done. Nobody would spot you. Um, people, knowledge of truth is supposed to lead you to a change. A change in your life. In Crete, the believers were acting like the greater culture. We're not supposed to act like the rest of the people. We're supposed to be different. 
They weren't acting as if they knew and believed the truth. But faith is supposed to change us to the point where Paul would in another letter say, don't be drunk with wine, but be drunk with the Spirit. Seems so strange to the world because you behave different. You have knowledge that led to a change. Our faith in eternal life should change our, our appetites, our drives. And then he talks about, did you notice that? He says, to the good, all things are good, but to the evil, all things are evil. What does that mean? The devil is not a creator. The devil is a corrupter. He says, don't be a corrupter. Let me explain what I mean. God invented sex. The devil perverted it and has made it you know, a dirty thing or a joke thing or, or whatever else. It's, it's not a holy thing anymore, except among God's holy people. Think about computers. I am so grateful I live in this age. I used to have to go to the card catalog and the reader's guide to periodic literature and do all that hard research. Now I can just Google it and there it is and yay. The problem is this great benefit has also come with great curses, hasn't it? Evil, angry people, everything from pornography to attacks on each other, anonymous slaying of other people's character. He takes what is good and he corrupts it. And, God, and Paul says, don't be like one of those people. The Cretans were doing this. They were going right with the double entendres. They were going right with the corrupting thing. Understand this. Learn this. Corrupting creation is what the devil does. Don't be on the devil's team. We redeem creation. We make it holy and beautiful. It reminds me of Gandhi's harsh statement. I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. That's a crying shame. Or how about G.K. Chesterton, who put it this way. The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. We must do the difficult things because Titus was called to do it right there in the middle of Crete. Here's the challenge. Is God trustworthy? If so, if he is, then live like it. Martin Luther struggled with depression. A lot of us do. I say us. I get it too. Winston Churchill called it his black dog that sometimes came to visit him. Well, Martin Luther was in a time of deep depression. By the way, young people, this is not Martin Luther King Jr. This is Martin Luther, a German reformer in the, in the Middle Ages. And he had just was not pulling out of it. So his wife came down all dressed in black with a black veil. And he looked at her and he said, why are you dressed as in mourning? And she said, I am mourning the death of God. And he said, God is not dead. And then she said, well, then husband quit living as if he were. Does your life show what you say you believe? Paul was put in Crete and said, fix that. Wow. I said Paul was. You know what I meant. Titus was put there by Paul. What? That tells me a lot about Titus. If you can parachute him into Crete and say, best of luck. Paul says, you put that church in order. In fact... Those that insist upon a book, chapter, and verse for all things, please understand the only, only time in Scripture we have in a how do you appoint elders, Titus was told to go appoint them, the minister. 
Now, does that mean I think that you need to do it that way? Nope, I don't want to appoint the elders. But it does show us that things are different at different places. And God wasn't trying to give us a one-size-fits-all church. In fact, the two, if you look at Timothy, here's the rule, here are the rules for who can be a, an elder or a shepherd. One of them was, your children must be believers. Go over here to Titus. That's eased up a bit. Your children must not be accused of riot. Well, that's a different standard right there. But he knew he couldn't get the other standard in Crete, so let's go for the lesser standard. By the way, I had a man, I've got to tell you this, it just, it happens all the time. People think they've found the faith and it's been nailed down. And I was in Texas and a man came up afterwards and just red-faced at me. And he says, you, you're not teaching the pattern that we've received from the apostles. And I just held up my hand and said, would you stop right there? And that's not what people do in America, so he kind of froze a bit. And I said, are you an elder? And he goes, yes, I am. I said, how'd you get to be one? And he said, I don't see how that... I said, no, I'm not listening to you until you tell me how you became an elder. And he said, well, the church put up names, and then we had this period of... And I said, stop right there then. And he looked at me, and I said, don't you dare tell me you do Bible things in Bible ways. The Bible says the way you get an elder is that the young preacher appoints them. And he's, he flustered and such. He goes, where is that? And I said, you're an elder. And you don't know Titus? I showed it to him. He had never seen it. I'm going, you poor man, let's talk. And we did. By the way, again, I don't think that was a pattern for all times. But understand, this was a special time. Crete was a mess. It needed done. And I want to talk to you a little bit. Did you notice he says... These people that are pushing circumcision are doing it for dishonest gain. Paul wasn't against circumcision. He wasn't against non-circumcision. He wasn't against that tradition, that tradition. When he says something is false teaching, it doesn't mean that it goes against a pattern that he gave. It means they're doing it out of dishonest gain, to gain power. Take a look, chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. A longer reading. You, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. We're going to go all over this in a bit. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect. Now notice, by the way, what is not in any of this list. How to worship, how to set up a church, what version of the Bible to use, whether you can clap or not. Um, and if you do clap, don't clap on one and three, please. Hello. <laughs> the love of all that's holy. Um, Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled and sound in faith, in love and in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women. I find that's really, you're going to have a young man teach the older women? Best of luck. To be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, and to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the Word of God. Please understand what he's going for. He's going for, let's make sure we live in a way that doesn't bring shame on God. All right? Next. Similarly, in, encourage the young men to be self-controlled in everything. Set them an example by doing what is good. By the way, this whole self-control thing means he's not giving them a bunch of rules. He's saying, you control yourself. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. 
Teach slaves to be subject to their masters and everything. We'll talk about this. To try to please them, not to talk back to them, not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. Well, let's talk about these. Older men. In the Crete society, the Cretan society, men argued, they overate, they overdrank, they laughed too loud, they argued at the top of their lungs, and God, uh, the message from, from God through Paul to Titus is, chill, be temperate, be worthy of respect, be self-controlled. Older women, don't be addicted to lots of wine. He doesn't tell him be teetotalers. He just says, back off. Because this was a problem in Crete. And he even says, control yourself so that others will know how to live. And then he says, older women, why don't you teach the younger women some things? And one of the things he has, and, and our translations say, to love your husbands and children. Literally, the Greek there is be men lovers and children lovers. Here's the problem. In Crete, they'd had a breakdown of the family gender wars women against men and women were saying we're not having any babies we don't want any babies we don't like men and it was and the men were fighting the women and he's saying no, teach them how to like men and like children you might say well isn't that natural not for everybody at all sometimes they have, people have to be taught I mean, there are natural mothers my daughter is one of those we have no idea where she got it she is just she is mother of the year every day and we don't we're going wow there are other mothers that struggle every single day. Acknowledge that. Get help. Learn how to actually like these people, these little people that are eating and destroying your lives. <laughs> Learn. Learn how to love the, the men. It was to reorder the family and to put your best. When it says to be busy at home, please understand, he wasn't saying women can't have an outside job. Remember Lydia? One of his first converts was a, a, a traveling businesswoman. No. He's telling them, yeah, be busy, but put your best efforts at home. The shepherds here know this. I'm going to make sure the congregation knows this. If ever they need me, but my wife needs me, they're not getting me. Family gets all of your best efforts. I don't understand why that's hard for people to understand. Save the best you've got for family. Always, first fruits of everything for family. Back in the old days, when you only had one phone and it was tethered to the wall, you would hear arguments. People, and then the phone ring and somebody pick it up. Hello? Why would you do that? Why would you do that to a stranger when you're not being nice to each other? And he's telling Paul, and Paul is telling him, Get your, give your best at home. And then Titus was personally told you show the men what a controlled life looks like show them the way a jesus person lives then we squirm a bit at the instructions to slaves don't we we do but remember this neither jesus nor his apostles ever approved of slavery nor did they call for an armed insurrection of the slaves they did not call for riots they did not call for social upheaval they worked within the system to transform it. Slaves who were Christians were not excused from acting like Christians. Now you might say, that's awfully harsh. 
it was written by Paul who had been in prison repeatedly, beaten repeatedly, and yet lived his life even in prison to the point where he could write and say, those of Caesar's household salute you. His behavior had converted so many guards who had converted so many others, even up to Caesar's household, there were Christians because of him. I remember listening to two men who back in the days of the Iron Curtain smuggled scriptures past that into those countries where it was forbidden. And one had been captured and put in prison. I believe the original sentence was for more than 10 years. They released him before one year was over because he kept converting his guards. Instead of, woe is me and I'm going to fight the system, he converted the system. And in two weeks, when we talk about the book of Philemon, you're going to see that in practice where he says, that was a slave. It is now your brother. Treat him as a brother. And it works both ways. One of the blessings, by the way, of the Christian faith is something brought up in Titus. And that's the ability to say no. Look at this. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness, worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus the Christ. If you notice something, how he keeps saying self-controlled, here's the reason. I can make rules for you, and I could lay them down, and our shepherds could say, these are appropriate rules, and we bind these upon all people. Does that change your heart? Next week, I'm driving up to Canada to speak at, a, at Great Lakes Christian College for a few days. And you're saying, why drive? It's a Christian college. They don't have the money to fly me. So I'll drive up. That's fine. I will pass through many areas with inappropriate speed limits. <clears throat> These speed limits are sinful. They are wrong. They cause people to waste time, valuable time, that I could be, I could, I could arrive early and tell people about Jesus, or I could go so fast that I could make people call upon his name. <laughs> Either way, I will obey the speed limits. Does that change my heart? Nope, because in my heart, I don't want to. That's why he says, I'm not giving you rules, I'm saying you be self-controlled. You teach yourself how to change. You teach yourself how to live. And one of the blessings of our Christian life is that we have the power to say no to this world. I would recommend if you struggle with being able to say no to something in this world, whether it's an addiction, whether it's a behavior, whether it's an attitude, that you talk to our own Dr. Lemons about the power of fasting and how it teaches you how to say no. There is great power in that word. One of the first things I said to the staff, Nancy, I know you remember it, I believe on day one when I sat with the staff was, no is a spiritual word. You're allowed to use it. When there are too many demands or when you don't want to do something and people are playing the Jesus card, if you love Jesus, you're allowed to say no. You're allowed to draw your lines. If you have trouble with that, go talk to Albert. Albert wouldn't mind talking to you, would you, Albert? He's a good man and he's got a lot of information. Let's make sure we get it. 
This book concludes with a couple of things. We were saved by grace, not because we were good. We were sinners. And that's reminded, Titus is reminded of that in chapter 3, 3 through 6. At one time, we too, Paul, were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. So, by the way, if you're just trying on Christianity today and you're thinking, well, these Christians think they're better than us. No, no, no. We remember this. We absolutely remember this. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth, the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. But that doesn't mean we're off the hook. We have to remind each other, not the world, not sinners, but each other, how to behave. Chapter 3, 9 through 11. Avoid foolish controversies, or in English, controversies. Just got to teach it. Genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law, because these are unprofitable, useless. Don't argue about this stuff. Warn a divisive person once, and warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. They're self-condemned. What's going on here? The divisive person, you know what the word for that is? Heretic. The word heretic doesn't mean they got the Lord's Supper wrong or they don't understand the Trinity. The word heretic means a person who divides churches, divides family, divides friendships. The divider, get away from them. Divide from the divider. You don't need anybody like that in your presence. It'll be a poison. That's why we call this church Open Arms. We open our arms to all. And I'm, I'm thrilled that more and more are getting the message. And red and yellow, black and white, and old and young, and rich and poor are all getting the message. Yeah, there's a place you can come. Open arms. We don't forget that. Now, I'm going to step forward, and I'm hoping I'm not going to buzz. But if I do, I'll switch mics, all right? I need to give extra time to Mark and his group to come up today. Here's our conclusion. Our faith has got to change our lives in obvious ways. Our people, the scripture says, we can put that up, I guess, in chapter 3. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good. Devote yourself to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives that's it i believe that the message for crete could also be a message for us do you not think so do you not think that that could be uh, words to live by today well if you'd like to have more words stand go ahead I will read chapter 2. We're not going to put it up on the screen. Just listen. Chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. And then we will be dismissed after a song. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and to worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope 
the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Amen, church.